Well, hello, my friends. Welcome back to the sweet spot where IT leaders share their ideas and their leadership to help you be a better leader. My name is Carlos Vargas. And again, I have the pleasure to have here with me today two great leaders, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. Hey, guys. Hey there. Hey, Carlos. So I keep hearing this a lot and has been something that is like a drill on my head. <laughs> Outcomes versus capabilities. And how does leaders see that? What does that mean? So from a sales perspective, right, from the other side of the fence, we, we, we talk about outcomes. And I would say that's a positive movement in a good direction. But ultimately, as a CIO, the outcome wasn't the, the point, right? What I really was doing was trying to solve a challenge. And so what we should really be talking about is the reason, right? And the reason drove me to add a capability. I've said this before, right? You have two options. You're selling me a capability, a thing that I can do that I can add to the business that drives value, or you're selling me a product that I have to turn into a capability. So if you just sell me a product and I, and I have a capability I'm driving, I'll drive that, it's fine. That's kind of what we're used to, but ultimately you're not adding any value. You're simply providing me a product that I can procure. If I can't turn that into a capability, it becomes shelfware, which also means the likelihood that you're gonna be asked back next time is far lower. But if you provide to me that capability, right? Help me solve that business challenge, start with a reason and work through it, then the chances are you're probably gonna get brought back in the future because that's ultimately what I'm trying to do. It's not an outcome. It's not an end result. So if we look for, for the guys that are listening to this or watching this, and they may be on a sales side, will you compare that to like, if I need a house and I go to Home Depot and buy the materials versus going somewhere that they can provide me with a whole solution ready to go so I can live on it? So the guy who makes the most amount of money in building a house for the least amount of work is the architect. Hmm. Right? So the question is, do you want to be Home Depot? Do you want to be the general contractor or do you want to be the architect that controls the whole mess? And that's the difference. If all I'm doing is buying a product, then you're Home Depot providing me with a box of screws. If they're the right screws, cool, I may go back to Home Depot next time I need screws. But if Lowe's is having a sale, I'm probably going to go to Lowe's, right? But I don't get to choose the screws my general contractor uses and I don't get to choose entirely the general contractor that my architect chooses let's let's strain the analogy even more <laughs> let's strain this analogy and, and and say that outcomes especially when you look at like sales material right outcomes are um features of the house right so the house is this big it's heated it has a pool uh, it has this kind of roof, it has this kind of pavement, uh, it is uh, four bedrooms and, and multiple carpeting and a finished basement. Isn't that awesome? Uh, the reality is those are a bunch of outcomes and results, but they are in fact not the reason. The reason I want this house 
is, of course, somewhere to sleep at night. The reason why I have this house is because I have a family of four that requires multiple bedrooms. The reason I want this house is because I want to stop renting. The reason why this house is because I want to move from the city to the country. And we're forgetting the difference between the reasons and the results. And I'd argue uh, that the reasons are more important, especially since results change over time, or I may never in fact achieve that outcome. It may be a big, hairy, audacious goal, right? It might be the thing that happens in five years from now. Uh, it might be the uh, a 20,000 square foot indoor pool kind of place to which isn't my current house now. So that's that's kind of the distinct, distinction between the two. Well, and a, and a lack of understanding may drive you to buy the wrong house, right? right. Like I'm sitting in the wrong house, arguably. There are two of us with a college age student who due to the current pandemic happens to be back home. There's three <laughs> of us in a 4,000 square foot, five bedroom house. It makes no logical sense whatsoever. I don't see 4,000 square feet in the month that I live here. I see, I don't know, four, whatever four rooms ends up being in, in square footage. <laughs> right. Um, and some of it is just that, right? Even as a buyer, we don't often fully think about and fully appreciate the reasons. And it really is the starting place. Um, it's one of the and things the irony, the irony is that uh, we end up comparing houses, right? We're going to look at a whole street and there are going to be 10 houses. We're going to, you know, look at the, the feature function difference between the houses and it has no reflection on the reason why I'm buying a house. Right. Which is just odd, right? Why do a com competitive study on the houses? Do a competitive study on the reasons why I want to buy a house. And, and what's interesting too is in IT buying, I see the same thing that happened to me in house buying. So we looked for two years. We looked at over 300 homes. <laughs> we made an offer on one. Right. Um, some of it was we couldn't find exactly what we were looking for. Some of it was I was angry at how much it was all costing. Um, <laughs> but ultimately... I ended up buying the house that had the one, one of my important features that was overwhelmingly positive. And I looked at 300. I was exhausted. My real estate agent was exhausted. My family was exhausted. My checkbook was exhausted, right? Houses weren't getting cheaper. They were getting more expensive. And, and so and at that number of houses, they all kind of looked the same. Like, could you even differentiate between 90% of them at that point? No, no. There were like four houses we remembered and the right. bummer about it was when we started, like we started before we were funded, trying to get an idea for the market. By the time we were done, we could no longer afford the houses we were looking at when we started. The market had changed that much. And, in, you know, it was two years. Um, the funny part, too, is IT sometimes ends up exactly the same. I'm looking to add a capability. I can't find a vendor that's willing to actually listen to my reasons they just want to sell me a result. I can't find the right results, but my reason doesn't go away. The time just becomes more and more and more expensive. So how many times am I forced to buy something that when it's all said and done only hits 40% of what I was trying to hit 100% with? So then what will you as a leader, or you Paul, will prefer that the person that come to share an idea or to try to help you will do. 
So I think you need to um, understand one of two things. So thing number one, um, instead of starting with the outcomes, the results, start with the reasons and explore what those reasons are. Probe to find out those reasons. And number two, don't presume that the CIO or the IT executive hasn't even thought about the reasons themselves. Sometimes they come to a conclusion absent of reason. I require this piece of hardware, this software, because of the level of coolness that'll provide, and they have yet to explore the reasons why it's necessary. So blockchain is a great example. So many times do I hear from IT executives, we shall implement this awesome function point with a blockchain deployment, even though it's only for internal purposes, it includes no concept of a ledger, it requires no complex federated security. However, they think it's just the same as SOA, right? Just the same as a, an ESB. And you gotta go back to them and say, wait a second, let's talk about really why you think this is important. How, what you're gonna address, what's the reasons why you think this is important? And suddenly the decision changes. So you got weigh both of those where uh, they know the reasons and you haven't asked them for it or they don't know the reasons and you've got to help them discover them. There's also a middle ground, right? Where they know the reasons and they've simply made a decision on what they're going to do that's the wrong decision, right? right? I, I, I'm, all, I'm used to dealing with vendors that are just procurement vendors. They just supply me with a product and right. therefore I'm going to tell them what I need and what I'm telling them is wrong. Right. <laughs> that, I did that, right? I tried to avoid it. But even I got so exhausted dealing with the 73 people that were banging on my door that I just said, I need this, give me this. And then when they came to give it to me, I went, this doesn't do anything like I said it would. And you know what vendor got my business? The one that said, this isn't going to do what you think it's going to do. It's not going to work the way you think it's going to work. What I want is someone that starts with the, the idea that this is a holistic solution. That means we start all the way back at the beginning to why does the business need this? Right? Even if it's internal to IT, that's still a piece of the business. Why does the business need this? Why do you think you need a single pane of glass for that thing when you have 73 different viewpoints looking at it? So it's not so much the challenging you for what you're asking. Will you say that it will be trying to understand what is the holistic picture that you're trying to build and that probably may be one portion of the solution or what you're trying to build to solve a business problem. So I can almost promise if I'm buying a new piece of hardware, it is not standalone. It is a piece to a much larger, much more complex solution. And if, look, if you just want to supply me with memory for the blades that I have, fine, right? But that's never occurred in a black hole. It's never occurred in a vacuum. I don't need the memory for those things because everything's running the same way it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Something new changed, and I promise you there's a thousand other points of light that go along with it. And so if you were to stop and go, hey, I noticed that you're putting through an order for more storage. What's going on? Um, have you had a change and can we help talk through it? Because I want to make sure the thing I sold you a year ago or two years ago is going to continue to operate the way we all expect it should. Right? What's right. the worst that happens? I spend half an hour explaining what the project is because I want to run it through another pair of eyes to make sure I'm making the right decision. That's almost always what happens. 
right? And then you find out, hey, in addition to storage, I'm buying 37 servers, I'm hiring an outside application development firm, I've got four new applications and I'm tying six different things together. Right. And amazingly enough, your company does all of those things. So why deal with six different vendors? Wouldn't you rather just have one, one person you can push all this off on? Yeah, I probably would. Sure. Right. Or I can't push all of it off. I've got a contract with these, but I can push these other four things off. You'd save me a bunch of time that knocks 17 meetings out of my calendar. And now I'm done with it. I can push it off. That's really interesting because that from then from a stale side that increases what that person can service you with hundred percent from a support standpoint that help because now you have a very view of what is happening. So if there may be some potential challenges that you see, you can say, Hey, by you doing that, you may want to consider this. So you become like a trusted advisor mm -hmm. to them. And then from a revenue standpoint for the company, both of them get a win-win because now they have somebody that will support them to meet their need and the company that is supplying have a larger revenue. So even if like, so let's say I have $230,000 for this small project. Um, and you were going to collect $30,000. Let's make it 2.3 million. Let's, let's, let's make it a number that everybody should care about. It's 2.3 million and you were going to collect $300,000 of that. And by pausing and starting the, starting the engine, which is kind of how I was thinking about it there, right? You, you, you kind of pull on the, on the starter, you let the CIO talk, you pull again, you let the CIO talk, you pull again, and then he runs away with it and tells you the whole thing. You collect $2.3 million. Have I saved my company any money? I had 2.3 million budgeted. You got 2.3 million. Have I saved any money? Yes. Yes, I've saved a ton of money because one, I solved all of it with one vendor in at minimum a quarter of the number of meetings. And two, time is absolutely money. Every second of it counts and it is the most valuable currency we have. And in saving that time, I can move on to doing things that, are, that my company and I deem to be more important and more valuable. You've got all $2.3 million and I'm happy to give it to you because you saved me time and I can't get that back. Wow. That's a very good way to position it because sometimes uh, from the other side, they may see as a, well, there was no difference, but the way that you explain it, that is a very good way of looking at it because now you don't have to do anything else, but the company that is trying to help you then accomplish a lot more. So then we can talk about how it pays dividends. So, okay, you do that, you do that the first time. Everybody in your company rejoices because you just made a $2.3 million sale. You upsold from 300K to a $2.3 million, right? Mm -hmm. You closed it in the shortest time anyone's ever closed it because rather than 17 meetings, the CIO wanted you out of the room, so you did it in four, right? You complete the project, it goes off really well, everybody's really happy, you rejoice again, the final check is mailed, and then guess what happens? The next project, the CIO picks up the phone and goes, look, I got this other thing I'm adding, I'm doing, here's my reason. Is this something you guys can handle? Yes, okay, cool. I'll see you in a week, come with a proposal, click. You become very sticky. Right, because wow. I, I don't want to have to deal with vendors. Right. So I'm, I'm, I want you to repeat that a little bit slower because I think that sometimes people don't catch that. So the first time you did a little bit of a different work, so you tried to help them, you grab their attention, 
But then at the next project, it looked like you just described that I didn't even have to do anything because I became that trusted advisor and said, oh, they could help me. Let me go to them first before going somewhere else. Did I get that correct? Yeah, you're not really even a trusted advisor at that point. You're just more trusted than the other, which okay. means I'm just going to call you first. I still have problems that I have to solve. I have business challenges that must be handled. The faster I come to a solution, the better I look. Like it's in my best interest to seek out those vendors, those relationships and help build them in as much as it is for the sales team to do that with me. Because the faster I get through these things in the fewer number of phone calls with the fewer number of hiccups on and under budget, the better I look. So yeah, I'm absolutely every time I'm gonna call, right? I don't shop for an attorney and we don't date 4,000 women at the time. Like this is the, vendor relationships are weird. They're the only ones that are one to many almost all the time, regardless of the length of relationship with the others. It's the strangest thing in the world, right? If think about what, the, what it would be like if you did that in your personal like relationships. If you're like, uh, how did you meet your wife? Well, I was dating 46 women at the time. <laughs> I went on second dates with 38 of them, third dates with nine, 93 of them. And, and like I maintain an average of one year relationship with 16. It's not, it doesn't quite have the joy that comes from everyone's how you met your wife story. I've never heard that one before, but that's exactly what we do with vendors. And in reality, the relationship is very, very similar. I need to seek out the one that treats me the best, that cares about me the most. And I need to have some care and concern for them because ultimately if I'm going to be successful, they kind of have to be successful too. Right? There needs to be open lines of communication. And then ultimately, we get to the place where we're both as happy as we could possibly be. My wife's not a mechanic. Therefore, when I need the oil changed in the car, I still have to take it someplace else. Mm -hmm. so, I know the CIOs get judged upon failure, right? They get judged upon project failure, on IT failure, on spending failure but you'll never get judged on picking one vendor over another because nobody would know the difference other than the IT executive. Right. So it's always a win there, right? So the faster you can get those decisions done, the more successful those projects are, the more likely I'm gonna go back to the exact same vendor to provide uh, additional value they might not have provided before. And I would do that by default. And, and I wanna be clear, by default, I'm not going back to the same vendor. Uh, I'm actually never going back to the same vendor. I'm going back to the same sales team. Right. <laughs> right. I'm, I don't have a relationship with Dell or Cisco or Hitachi or VMware. I have a relationship with Bob and Cindy and Scott and David. Right. And so that's who I'm going to. That's, I'm not calling 1-800-Hitachi. I'm not calling 1-800-Amazon. Right. I'm calling Bob's cell, Cindy's cell, David's cell, and Scott's cell. And that's the result that I'm getting. So if we can tell something to, let's say, the sales team, because you just described it, the sales team is the one that's going to make that relationship and make you as an executive more successful. What could be a, a quick uh, word or something that can help them serve their executive in a better way? Account planning. <laughs> Sorry, but your account strategy 
should match my IT strategy. Therefore, understand my business and my IT strategy and why it is the way that it is. If you can do that, then you'll bring me the things that match where I'm at in my strategy and I will buy the things that match where I'm at in my strategy. It's a really easy relationship. Right. And even in practical terms, it's focusing, it's about mentioning the outcomes, especially if they're business or IT outcomes, but not trying to compare my organization, my problem set to those outcomes. It's about saying, here's what I believe to be true to be the outcome. However, let's now explore in detail with you the reasons why you believe these are true or not. And then let's help work together to solve those problems. Let, let's do that. Let's spend time doing that. Let's not match my problem with everybody else's problems. Well, that has been a great uh, conversation uh, about how outcomes and, and capabilities any last words, guys? We're having a great conversation. I think just one final thing. Um, what my competition does that you're aware of is interesting, but possibly and probably not applicable. Right? Like you're not going to impress me because my competition did this thing into thinking that that's what I need. That doesn't mean you understand what I need to do. I appreciate that you've done enough research to know what my competition does. And as a talking point, it's fine. But then you need to shut up and listen when I tell you what I do and how I do it and why I do it and the decisions that I've made. Listen three times as much as you speak at minimum. Awesome. Thank you. Well, my friends, this has been The Sweet Spot. And we're looking forward that you will subscribe to our podcast, our video channel, and that you will share this with all your leaders and friends and family. So we'll see you on our next episode.